0: The Wellness Hub by Karen Kelly. So my guest today is tropic pianist and gamer, Jen Griffiths, all the way from sunny Anglesey. So welcome, Jen. It's great to have you on the show today. Hi. Oh, I love your unique blend of talent. So you're a, a Tropic Pianist gamer. Can you expand yep. for us? What is it you do? So it does as it says on the tin. I'm literally a Tropic ambassador,
1: a professional pianist and piano tutor who now teaches online and in person. And I'm a gamer. So I'm not just a gamer. I am co-founder of Nintendo North Wales, which turns 10 this year, and also head of Nintendo Players UK, which is the main hub over the regional communities since September 2020.
0: Wow. So what what actually is that? What does that mean? So the idea
1: between Nintendo Nintendo Players UK and Nintendo North Wales is Nintendo North Wales brings people together physically for gaming together, um, bringing like-minded people together to create community. So um, the hub, the Nintendo Players UK is the hub of all the regional ones. So we've got Nintendo Manchester, Nintendo Birmingham, Nintendo... London's actually called Nintendo Social Group just to be different but we've got all you know different regions around the UK and Ireland all under one umbrella which is in Nintendo Players UK.
0: Brilliant so you've had a fascinating upbringing because you're actually half Chinese. So
1: my mum's side is the Chinese
0: side but my mum was actually born and brought up
1: in Yorkshire so it's her parents that moved over. She's one of quite a few siblings, but I haven't met them all because a couple were born in China before they moved over. My mum's the youngest of about eight or nine, I think. I can't remember the exact number, but um, she she was, we're Cantonese, so we're in the minority when most of the Chinese people speak Mandarin. Which affected my sort of willingness to learn as a teen. But my fond memories are of my grand, my grand when she was still alive. So I lost my granddad when I was six and my granny when I was 18. So, but during my teenage life, I remember the Boxing Day banquets that she used to do. Oh, she used delicious. to invite all of the extended oh. family, and we'd have literally pots of chicken, halibut, Chinese sausage monkey's is bean curd, you know, whatever you want, Chinese, authentic Chinese cuisine right there in front of you, and you can pick and choose, and there was always endless rice, and the whole family gathered around, but I had a French auntie, I had Malaysian auntie, it was a mix of cultures as well, because I always remember the European French cakes that used to appear for pudding, which is complete contrast to the Chinese um, banquets, I did try and learn Chinese when I was about 13 or 14, but that was the point at which I realised the difference between Cantonese and Mandarin. And I sort of got bored and wandered off in a different direction.
0: That's really interesting, isn't it? So I take it when you eat Chinese food, you always use chopsticks.
1: Yes. So (laughs) I love chopsticks. So that was another memory. Um, Based on my brother never really got got the hang of the chopsticks, so he used a spoon. My grandma in her house didn't actually have much cutlery apart from chopsticks. So she had like one fork, one butter knife, and a spoon, and then everything else was chopsticks. Everything else was chopsticks. So um, my mum and my auntie always insist on using wooden chopsticks. And there was there was literally two pairs of wooden chopsticks and a massive plastic chopsticks. Plastic chopsticks were slippery. Because they bags the wooden chopsticks, we had to master the other chopsticks. The slippery
0: ones. It <laughs> yeah. is an art, though, isn't it, to use chopsticks? I like to use chopsticks if I go to a Chinese restaurant, but I must admit, sometimes I do give in and give up and use the fork for the rice. It's hard to grasp, isn't it? Sometimes? It's almost a party trick these days. <laughs> yeah, it is a party trick. So you're a talented musician as well. You play the piano, and you also, as a child, learned the violin and recorder. So what age did you start playing musical instruments?
1: So music's been in my life as long as I can remember. So my own parents, although they weren't musical by the time I existed, my dad was in school choirs as a boy. Um, My mum used to play the clarinet and guitar because she still had that guitar and clarinet in the house when I was growing up. She also had a wooden recorder. So before I started school, I I think I was age three, I was sat in the back of the house next to the space that would become the place where the piano went. Um, playing the wooden recorder, um, according to an early learning centre book that was spread across the floor. I remember it was green. Um, mm-hmm. And then, of course, when I started primary school, it was normal for all the kids to pick up recorders. So I got a popper, not a proper one, but a plastic recorder, as per everybody else. Um, I started violin at the age of four. So basically, in the classroom, they did like a showcase of different instruments. My mum insists that I chose the violin, but my memory is somewhat different because I remember saying trumpet or saxophone, and both of them, too noisy. Too noisy, exactly. Pick the violin, it's quieter. (laughs) Now, as a stereotyping violin learner, people expect the violin to be squeaky, but I don't ever remember being squeaky, because one of my kind of specialisms in music is being someone with perfect pitch. So I automatically already knew at an early age what was in tune and what wasn't. Um, I knew what notes I was playing, so I was never really a squeaky violinist.
0: So you played it beautifully from a very, very young age, didn't you? Apparently, yes. (laughs) Apparently. And where did the love of gaming come from?
1: My earliest memories of gaming was my dad playing PC games. So he had his favourite games and my memory of my own games um, well he had a dragon 32 so we played
0: frogger on that and he I've also gone over had my head. What, what's a dragon 32 so dragon 32
1: <laughs> well it's like you've got your nintendo switch now dragon 32 was a console of the 80s perhaps right
0: okay um,
1: yeah. so he had a dragon 32 and he had whatever pong was on there were two separate little consoles and then he had his pc so i remember playing a text based alice in wonderland game on windows 3.1 I remember The Lion King and Aladdin, which was remade for Switch during lockdown, which I got back again. Um, and also my seventh birthday was my fondest birthday memory, because for my seventh birthday, I got a Commodore 64 and a Zelda game and watch. So that was my first dip into Nintendo specifically.
0: So you kind of, your father was into it as well, wasn't he? So you've kind of been brought up with with the gaming. Uh, That's fascinating. But I think that's a great blend, a really unique blend, Uh, your Tropic products, Pianist and Gamer. But when you were younger, you really suffered, didn't you, with your mental health? You had terrible anxiety from the age of about 13. So Mm -hmm. what triggered this, do you think? And what kind of symptoms did you have? Did you realize it was anxiety you were suffering from?
1: No, so anxiety wasn't really a word that was used back then because this yeah. was like the late 90s, early noughties and mental health was still largely brushed under the carpet. And My yeah. own parents basically didn't acknowledge mental health existed. Um, and my actual, bu- it was bullying that was the, cumul- c- the, the effect that added up over time to yeah. cause the long-lasting effect. But the bullying actually started at the age of four. Because I was half Chinese, a kid in reception class called me a derogatory term for a Chinese person at the age of four. Wow. My mum told me back then to ignore it, and that's what I did. It didn't bother me back then. I just brushed it off. But by the time I got to secondary school, the irony here was no one could tell I was Chinese at all. Um, And I got bullied for everything else instead. So I was bullied for being fat, geeky, a swat... Um, I was bullied for because I have a skin condition as well so I was bullied for that um, I was even bullied for having a boyfriend at the age of 13. So, so all
0: those are major triggers aren't they? Bullying yeah. is a trigger isn't it?
1: And it chips away at you for years yeah. and basically ends up with a long-term impact which main, meant by the time I was 18 I was scared of pretty much everything.
0: Yeah so you were timid you you became an introvert and you were scared of people and scared of mixing with people weren't you so how did that affect your school life and college and, and friendships relationships
1: in a weird twist of my story i was actually very good at relationships so my first boyfriend lasted three years my second boyfriend lasted three years but they were a love triangle so i got I myself into say, all kind
0: of- yes i believe you were involved in a love triangle tell us more so I w- that caused all kinds of emotional
1: stress that a-, a 16-year-old probably shouldn't have to deal with in the middle of her GCSE year. Well, yeah. thankfully, I got away with the GCSEs because I had a photographic memory up until the age of 16. So that was way by the side. But relationships—I was actually really good at it. Was the friendships? So basically, I'd always be a third wheel of a friendship pair, um, including even the first boyfriend had a best friend, and I was the third wheel until I became his girlfriend. But um, it was the maintaining of friendships that I struggled with, because as time went by, people seemed to get bored of me or find me annoying. Um, and I didn't know how to keep the sort of conversations flowing because there'd be many awkward silences, yeah, you know, when out what and about. And I wasn't actually allowed to go out with my friends because... When we were in sixth form, for example, um, my parents were I had violin lessons, I had piano lessons, I was going to the local youth orchestra, I was going to jazz band, I didn't have time to actually socialise because I was going to all the extracurricular activities around music instead.
0: Yeah so your life was mainly taken up with activities after school at least that kept you going and kept you kept your mind going didn't it as well but I want to go back to this love triangle do you think (laughs) that maybe because of your anxiety you may have been maybe vulnerable and that could have caused issues within the boys that you were seeing at the time? So
1: what what happened with that love triangle was they were both my best friends and it was it was said like in my to me many times I got stuck in my head. You can't be just friends with a boy;
0: right. you eventually
1: end up falling for them. Yeah. And I just proved the the kind of the critics right by falling in love with my other best friend. Um, and I, the emotional turmoil was I remember writing in my diary that day um, when I realised that I like the second guy. Why can't I love both of them? Why does society say that I can't? I can only have one guy, you know. Um, I want both of them I love them both equally and it just got really messy yeah Um, and that was basically um, half of my sixth form was the mess of the triangle taken
0: up by this love triangle (laughs) so you described yourself um it's hard to believe looking at you now you described yourself back then as a nobody blending into the background unnoticed. And that's quite heartbreaking, isn't it, to to, to listen to, that they're your words. So if you could talk to your younger self now, what would you say to yourself?
1: So um, the point at which I was scared of things, it's knowing to ask for help. Because one thing I struggled with, especially as a young adult, was knowing that I could ask for help and also who to ask for help and where to ask for help. I didn't know. And it didn't, it took me until literally lockdown to find the answer to that question of yeah. who do I ask and how. So it was a long journey of feeling invisible because I had no one to sort of ask for help.
0: Yeah, that's heartbreaking, isn't it? So you were diagnosed finally at the age of 27 after all those years of suffering, mm-hmm. and you were diagnosed with GAD. Can you explain to our listeners what that actually is?
1: So in 2013, I was diagnosed with generalised anxiety disorder. So basically, um, I'm, I'm still scared of hospitals, actually. I'm still scared yeah. of doctors. Um, but I went to my doctor and basically had a meltdown in front of him and said, he said, what's the problem? And I was like, I don't know. I'm scared of literally everything. Uh, if, you, if you give me a word, I'll probably find a reason to avoid it or scared of it. And he's just just put in my notes, generalised anxiety disorder. So basically the definition as far as that was concerned is, he's on edge 24-7, always anxious, doesn't know what the triggers are. It's all encompassing kind of anxiety. And would you say that was
0: true then of you at the time? Yeah, at the time, yeah. yeah. So 2013,
1: I was literally scared of
0: everything. I can imagine that must have been really difficult for you. So, what kind of treatments were you offered at the time and what did you find really helped you at that time?
1: The the one that he started referring me to was counselling. So he asked me to ring a number. But he I was too scared to admit at the appointment that I was scared of phones. So I just smiled and nodded and sloped off. And then got home was like
0: knowing you weren't going to ring that number. Yeah.
1: So I was too scared to ring the number. It took me several months to work up the guts to actually ring the number. Wow. And then when I did, I had eight sessions of counselling. So it was basically an icebreaker, six sessions closing. The six sessions in between, I ranted about something different every single week. So, of course, that that's typical of generalised anxiety disorder. You don't know what your triggers are. You yeah. try and list them all. You run out of time, effectively. So by the sixth, the sixth inner session, she was like, You've just ranted at me. I can't help you. I, I don't know what to suggest. I didn't go back for the eighth closing session because I happened to have got an office job by then, so I didn't have time, but I was also too scared to go back because I knew she had to help me. Though,
0: by saying that no. she can't help you, what sort of counsellor does that? Yeah. Or even admits that to somebody who's riddled with anxiety like you were, and you would, would have been scared of, of that, yeah. and maybe scared of what was going to happen because you didn't know how to get through this sort of thing. Jen, this is all fascinating stuff. We're going to be back in a few minutes' time. We're just going to take a short break. Let me introduce our sponsor, Everything Genetic Limited, specialists in preventative healthcare testing, helping people to identify to see if they are at risk of developing common hereditary cancers and heart conditions. Based in Nantwich, Cheshire, they partner with some of the UK's market-leading laboratories, supplying revolutionary genetic tests to healthcare providers and patients for the detection, diagnosis and treatment planning of cancer, heart disease and other illnesses. One of their main aims is to democratise genetic testing, meaning everyone can take control of their own well-being and healthcare to detect any problems at an early stage when they are most treatable. They also offer a COVID testing service, which is on the government list, initially launched to support clinical partners who were unable to get patients in during the pandemic. This service enables patients to come back into clinics to resume all important cancer testing and is available through over 200 partner companies. They offer a comprehensive range of coronavirus COVID-19 test kits and services for individuals, healthcare providers, and employers. For more information, visit their website, everythinggeneticlimited.co.uk. So welcome back. We're talking to Tropic Pianist and Gamer all the way from Anglesey, Jen Griffiths. So we were talking about your re- well, your diagnosis which was in 2013, wasn't at your age 27 mm-hmm. with general anxiety disorder. But up until that point, you were still obviously covering up your, your symptoms and how you felt with everybody, but you still managed to do your pianist work. You were, you were a piano teacher. You also met your husband in that time, didn't you? I know you explained you were caught up with the love triangle. You've also got married. Tell tell us about how you how you managed all that, even though you were riddled with anxiety. Because you're kind of acting really, aren't you? You're pretending yeah. to be someone you're not. I've been there. I know exactly what you mean.
1: On reflection, there was an awful lot of masks involved, but I didn't yeah. realize time but yeah when I met my husband that was the second love triangle in my life <laughs> the first one was in uh, GCSE year in sixth form and the second one was coming out of my first degree just about to do my master's so I'd just started my master's degree which is in composition and two guys came out of nowhere and I got with the other one because he gave me the attention and I was a bit lonely there yeah. but my husband took the time to get to know me. And the more I got to know him, the more we had in common. The more I got to know the guy I was with, the less we had in common. Yeah. So this love triangle was a no-brainer as opposed to the other one, which was a complete mess. <laughs> so I knew my husband was the one before we, before we were even together. Um, and he admitted he liked me first so I was like yes I'm, I know how to play this safe now so I played it safe because of what had happened in the past
0: and you felt you could be more like yourself and open yep. up about your your symptoms so
1: yourself. we got together through our mutual love of Mario Kart
0: so you're also a piano teacher and you played at the local castle so tell us all about that
1: so Penring Castle was the local National, national Trust place and um, basically there was a piano, well there is a piano in the Grand Hall and season was open March to October and my father-in-law had retired and had started volunteering at the castle. So he's like, oh did you know you could play the piano? I was like, can you? And he's like, yeah, do you want me to contact the person? I was like, well... Yeah, I'm not going to do it, am I? So he contacted him on my behalf, and that's how I got in, because I was too scared to make the contact myself. Um, and I started playing in 2016 um, with the provisor that I was doing it voluntarily, so free of charge, because I thought, well, no one wants to hear me properly, so at least I can go and practice on a piano that's not my own piano. Um, and I was just happily playing along there. I'd do like an hour and a half before my back collapsed. And assumption that no one was listening because people would just pass by and kind of nod in your direction but they weren't actively listening like you would for a recital so I was I
0: got comfortable with that and also as part of your anxiety and the fear that comes with it you didn't think that you were worthy anyway did you I read about you not thinking you were worthy of being paid to play the piano yet you're incredible you're an incredible (laughs) pianist so, of course, yeah. you managed quite a lot of things, even though you were really suffering and really riddled. So, of course, you had the wedding as well. But it all came to kind of crashing down, didn't it, in 2019. So tell us what happened then at the back end of 2019.
1: So September 2019 was the last time I had, well, it was August, actually, so, um, was the month that I had my last significant breakdown. Basically, I'd been suffering and sinking for years. I hadn't been able to grow my piano business. I was actually doing all right for clients then, but I was living off sugar because I had a toddler at that and I wasn't allowed caffeine because of high blood pressure. So I was living off sugar, living off sugar, and it all came to a head one day when I ended up in hospital with gallbladder problems problems in September. Bearing in mind I'm scared of hospitals. So when they said I had to have my gallbladder out, I discharged myself and ran away, basically. So and you were like,
0: to have your gallbladder out, really?
1: Yeah, so I've still got my gallbladder. Right. It's just totally you ran there, away. But, <laughs> yeah, so I, I have a habit of discharging myself from hospital because I don't like being there. And <laughs> being there drives up my blood pressure because I get stressed out. So they're like, right, well, if you're going to discharge yourself, as long as you change your lifestyle, you might be able to stay out of hospital. So that's what I did. So the following month, a video game came, came out called Ring Fit Adventure, and that changed my life. So uh, in the subsequent months, just before lockdown, I lost two stone. I stopped eating too much fat and sugar because fat was an also trigger for the gallbladder and changed my entire lifestyle. So it was at that point, just before lockdown, I was starting to get my body confidence back. Well, back for the first time as an adult, I had body confidence. So that started my journey off on Tropic on a good footing. But I was still too shy to have photos of myself at that point.
0: And then what was incredible for you was during lockdown when all the world was living online anyway, you joined some network marketing groups, didn't you? Some network groups and your world again, your confidence increased again, didn't it? Tell us about that.
1: Yeah. So joining Tropic gave me more to talk about because my networking journey actually started in October, 2019, where I turned up to my local Mib groups So Mib is Mums in Business um, and just when hi i'm jen i play the piano and my chaotic t- toddler was causing havoc so I-, I couldn't concentrate um so basically i survived and i went back the subsequent months without the child i put him in child care so i could concentrate and i met between that time and lockdown i met three different tropic ambassadors which the negative side of my brain would have got oh, always too saturated but i could see how positive and happy they were yeah. and the first i made contact with the first one so she's the one who's now my upline shunned um and she told me about it being a network marketing thing in the first place but it wasn't until the march when i met another lady who was in sort of the same team that i was like i want what she's got so that night off after the march event i decided to join tropic and from then on basically it took me about 3 months to kind of work out what i needed to do because i was still sinking the first 3 months cuz I didn't get any support from family or, or my old friends originally because they, they're like, what have you done? You joined a network marketing thing. You, you're going to get scammed, you know. It's, a, it's, a, it's not something you want to... don't understand, though. Like-
0: yeah, they don't understand. People, I think, who yeah. work in a different kind of normal industry, if yeah. you because I think when I've talked about people in a similar situation, they don't get it. They don't know how to ask yeah. or what questions to ask you. or They don't really understand what goes on, so that's probably why they react that way.
1: Yeah, so for the first three months, I was trying to get over my fear of messaging people because I was told you need to start messaging people. I didn't do cold messaging, because I never believed in that, but my fear stopped me anyway. So I went with the familiars and was basically ignored or told no. So the more no's I got, the lower I sank. And it took me until about June 2020. I had a breakdown in the gaming side then, but that's another story for another day. Um, But it made me step back and think, I can't go on like this. There's no no life. I'm not living a life. I'm just existing. Um, And also,
0: also, if you've got a young child, it could rub off on your child as well, couldn't it? Yeah.
1: So obviously, um, now I've done the development, it's like I want to be the best version of myself for my kid as well as myself. I don't want him to grow up anxious. I want him to be confident. And so far, so good. But yeah, it was summer 2020. I finally made that sort of first pivot of mindset because the mindset shift was the most important part of that and realizing that you can ask for help you can find the resources for help so lockdown everything was on Facebook literally everything was waiting for me to tap into it and I tapped into it and the 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 progress was gradual because I didn't have the income so I'd sign up to all the free challenges I could find I signed up to special heavily discounted offers occasionally and I got i got i got like how to use social media efficiently how to do network marketing efficiently including how to learn resilience how to change your mindset uh, how to set goals how to set visions obviously we've got vision board coach lisa um goal setting heather palferman more than just mom they were my main influences back then
0: and they've all completely turned your life around haven't they that's incredible yeah. Absolutely incredible! So now you're you're a wife and mum. You're a piano teacher. You're available for bookings as well uh, Mm -hmm. at various events. You're co-founder of Nintendo North Wales, Tropic Skincare, and you do parties as well. You're also um, part of the scene. That you're an author of the book Scene, which was launched last year. But now you've launched. You're you're about to launch your very own book, which is called Tales of an Anxiety Warrior, which is due out on 15th of May so tell us all about this fabulous book This is incredible look at how much your life has turned around. Yeah so I'm unrecognisable since before
1: lockdown pretty much.
0: Unbelievable.
1: Um, What one interesting thing my husband said to me I think it was summer 2020 when I started to come out of my shell a bit more it's like he posted on the Nintendo North Wales server and said "I'm, I'm sure Jen doesn't mind me saying this but she's the happiest I've ever seen her and it's nice to know that it's possible to turn around. And that, I was like, yes, I need to keep doing what I'm doing. So it, the storytelling started in August 2020 with a blog. I was asked to guest, um, guest post and I did, but I didn't put my proper full name because I was ashamed of it and thought people would judge me for it. But a couple of people came back and said, I've read your blog. It's really inspiring. Where's the rest of your story? Wow. So I wrote, I wrote a full blog in May 21 um and in July um Kat Massey the host of scene where 15 women have told their stories of overcoming adversity said would I like to be part of the book so I was like yes and I took actually that chapter is from my blog and I tweaked it for that book and I already knew the rest of my story was waiting to be told in a proper book so when I did scene I already had the solo book in my head I just didn't know what it was going to look like Yeah. So, first thing I did on the first working day of January 2022 was get in touch with the publisher and say I'm ready. Um, and they were like, "When do you want your date to be?" Fifteenth of May, end of Mental Health Week, because Mental Health Week is the hopefully the one to cause the most impact and inspiration to others who are kind of looking for help in the mental health side of things. So, anyone with anxiety or has suffered in the past or present has, knows loved ones who suffered it, past or present, will definitely find my stories interesting, relatable and most mostly real because it's my story of living with
0: it. Can you imagine being back in school, back in college, uh, at university and then thinking, or, or knowing then, right, I'm going to be an author, I'm going to overcome my anxiety and I'm going to live... A fulfilling and successful life. Would you have thought that back then? No,
1: because as a teen I had no ambitions whatsoever. Um, by the time I left school, I thought I was rubbish at everything apart from maybe the piano. Wow.
0: So it's incredible, absolutely incredible. Yeah. So, Tales of an Anxiety Warrior is you are on the 15th of May. I wish you all the best. Uh, for our listeners, where can we get the book from? And tell us where anyone can get in contact with you that may be interested in gaming or tropics, far away.
1: So to find my book on the 15th of May, put a note in your calendar, um, find it on Amazon. If you search the Tropic Pianist Gamer, my entire stationery range comes up and it should be in there as well. But Tales of Anxiety Warrior is the title if you want to search for it by title. It should be findable. Um, To get in touch with me, I've got a website, tropicpianistgamer.co.uk. Everything you need is on there. Um, most of the time you'll find me in Jen's musical self-care den on Facebook where that features regular live piano music and general feel-good stuff, alternative card pulls to do with self-care and other things to get involved in, um, and Instagram, TikTok, I'm just the Tropic Palace Gamer, so basically Google Tropic Palace Gamer, most of my stuff comes up, and easy to find. Stuff.
0: Brilliant. Yeah. You really are an ambassador for anybody suffering with anxiety. Truly inspirational. I wish you all the best with Tales of an Anxiety Warrior. You are definitely an anxiety warrior and I'm sure our path will, will cross again. So I wish you all the best.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: You've been listening to The Wellness Hub, part of the Appetite for Life series by Karen Kelly, sponsored by Everything Genetic Limited. If you'd like to be a guest on this show, Or interested in any sponsorship packages, you can send me an email. Let's talk at carenkellypodcasts.co.uk, or visit my website www.carenkellypodcasts.co.uk.